Hey there and welcome to Chairside Live. I'm your host, Megan Strong. Wonderful show for you today. We have another edition of Across the Chair, where registered dental assistant Will Schmidt is here to show us one of his favorite procedures to perform in dentistry. You guessed it, anterior multi-unit temporaries with biotemp provisionals. Then we have the second part of Dr. Neil Park's interview with Dr. David Schwab. They're discussing how to train your staff to present and discuss treatment plans with patients. But first, let's meet up with Will to see how biotemps can satisfy the patient's aesthetic goals while helping the clinician to provide excellent treatment. It's coming up next in a segment we call Cross the Chair. Thank you so much, Megan. In a previous Chairside Live episode, I detailed a posterior biotemp treatment on adjacent molars that turned out very successful. Today, I'd like to show you another biotemp treatment and one of my favorite procedures to perform in dentistry as an RDA, anterior multi-unit temporaries with biotemps. So to start this process, I can either send a set of pre-treatment study models or impressions with bite registration and a shade to the laboratory on a dedicated Glywell Biotemps Provisionals RX form for fabrication. Expect a five to six day turnaround time and schedule your patient's prep date accordingly. Well, now that my patient is in the chair and my biotemps have arrived, Let's go chairside and see them in action. So expect your biotemps to arrive packaged similarly to any crown or bridge case that you will receive from Glidewell. Your biotemps will come as one splinted unit unless you specify otherwise. The lab can even include metal framework for long span bridges or high impact areas at your request. These biotemps for teeth 7, 8, and 9 have been fabricated from virtually prepped models and seat well upon try-in with no rocking and minimal reline necessary. I cannot begin to stress the importance of applying Vaseline to freshly prepared teeth before relining. The last thing I want to do is have to cut through my beautiful biotemps because I fused a reline to the preps. When applying Luxotemp acrylic reline material to the integlia of my biotemps, I extrude a minimal amount and use the mix tip to coat the inner walls with the material and evacuate any air bubbles or any voids that may have gotten trapped. Using a dry microbrush, I remove some of the bulk excess material that may get stuck between the embrasures. I take great care in removing biotemps, or any temporary for that matter, with rubber-tipped crown removers to prevent scratching the facial and marring my aesthetics. As you can see, my reline looks good with no voids or delamination from the biotemps. Moving over to my lab bench, I start with the removal of the bulk excess acrylic reline with a coarse diamond burr. I always use a good hand fulcrum for control over my handpiece and short swiping motions to avoid nicks or cuts. I like the fact that most of the work is already done for me. I don't need to touch the facial or incisal of these restorations at all. This is one of the major benefits for biotemps versus a standard chairside temporary. Now that I have smoothed and removed the acrylic flash, I'm going to get into details with a lab diamond disc. Get really comfortable with a good fulcrum hand base and don't be nervous to get into those embrasures to open them up and allow the tissue adequate healing room. Even more details can be carved out utilizing a mosquito diamond burr in the same manner as my initial diamond takedown burr. Smooth everything up and let's try our biotemp back into the mouth. If I have opened my embrasures enough and my margins are spot on, I should have no trouble placing my biotemps and checking for space with a perioprobe or a similar instrument. I have cleaned all excess Vaseline, saliva, and contaminants for my preparations. I apply temporary cement, in this case, Temposem non-eugenal, in the same coating pattern as my initial reline, 
and place it in the mouth in a rocking motion to allow excess material and air to evacuate and seat completely. The patient can bite into place to assist seating, but I like to hold the restoration in place during the curing time with a cotton roll as a cushion for my own fingers. Excess temporary cement should remove easily with an Explore and an air water rinse. My patient is still a bit numb while smiling after placement, but this is a great thing. Our process from final impression to dismissal took 15 minutes total. Plus, I got the result that we were both trying to achieve. So, why biotemps? I've already shown their aesthetic qualities and ease of application, but I also take into consideration the price point. Taking less time chairside is simply a light item shift that makes biotemps an affordable addition to your procedures. Our Biotemps Classic utilize denture teeth set into position, while Biotemps CAD are designed and milled custom for every patient. I enjoy the different options they give me and the versatility of the material while decreasing the time I have to worry about aesthetics. Let's be realistic. Our patient's main goal is to look good, while ours is to provide exceptional dental treatment throughout. If we can merge these two goals, that is a recipe for success. Right back to you, Megan. Now let's jump over to part two of Dr. Park's interview with Dr. Schwab. They have some great information on marketing and how it differs between the referral-based specialty practice and the GP implantology practice. Take it away. So how do you go about training the team to be effective in talking about dental implants? One of the things that I talk about, whether it's implants or a crown or another procedure, is to try to remember to start sentences with, you benefit because. We do a little... Uh, practice with the, with the team. We do a little role playing. We say, all right, here we have a patient coming in and this is the treatment plan and let's say it includes dental implants. If everything goes great and the patient says, oh, this sounds wonderful and they sign up, that's fine. But if the patient starts to ask questions and you start to think, what do I say now? One of the things you can fall back on is a phrase that I use, you benefit because. And then at the end of that sentence, we'll fill in a benefit. So we actually practice, go around the room and practice with the team members. So for benefits, will you benefit because dental implants are the most modern tooth replacement system ever devised? You benefit because it's, it's a long-term solution to your problem. You benefit because it looks great, it functions great. You benefit because there's no more uh, slipping, clicking, embarrassment of dentures. I mean, there's so many things that you could put in there, but you have to have something ready. And I'll tell you something else, Neil. When you say to a patient, you benefit because, they lean forward in their chair and they listen because you're about to give them the payoff. What do I get out of it as a patient? You benefit because. And we try to take away the, quote, dental benefits. We try not to talk to them about something that only a dentist could love, like perfect occlusion. doesn't mean anything to people. But you benefit because we're going to improve the quality of your life. Now we're, we're really talking to something the patient can relate to. You know, David, I've heard you speak about a technique called marketing by the power of 10. That sounds really interesting. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Marketing by the power of 10 came about because I noticed something. You know, when you go around to many offices and you listen and you talk to people, you learn so much. And that's one of the reasons I like what I do because I learn something new every day. But I went into offices and I found a pattern. I found that when a team member had to present something to a patient or say a fee to a patient, if it was a fairly low number, let's just say $200, if there are any $200 fees, they would just say the fee for this procedure is $200. The eye contact was strong. The voice was strong. The body language was good. It was like nothing for them to say it. But the higher the fee, the more nervous they got about presenting it. So what I do in training is I put different fees on, on index cards. And they don't know what I'm doing or which one's coming up next. And I'll say, just pull a card. Well, the first one's always the easy one. 
the, the fee for this procedure is $200. And then they may pull it out. The next one says $8,000. Now, the, here's what's interesting, Neil. The same person who had all the right ways of doing it the first time, now the eye contact is not good. They are hesitant. Uh, they are looking a different way. They, I've actually, standing up, had people back away from me as though I'm going to do something to them, which I'm not. And, and they ask it as a question. And it comes out like this. The fee is $8,000? Like, is that okay? And the patient starts thinking there must be a problem here. So what we do is we train them, whether it's $200, $2,000, or $20,000. If they can deliver that fee with the same confidence, the same great body language, eye contact, confidence, and everything goes together in their persona that way. And I tell the doctors, if you've got somebody who can quote a $20,000 fee, the same tone of voice as they, as they use for a $200 fee, you've got a winner there. You've got somebody who is not going to be rattled by this. So that's what we call marketing by the power of 10, and it works just great. David, there's a couple different modes of delivering dental implant treatment. Can you talk about the differences between marketing implants in a referral-based practice like a oral and maxillofacial practice or a perio practice versus the general practitioner who does both segments of the treatment in the same office? Let's start with the specialty-based practice because that's actually a little harder because we have to deal with two sides of the same coin. When I talk to the specialists about this, I always sit them down and I know they're trying really hard to please their referring dentist and many times they're doing a great job, but I get the doctor, the specialist, oral surgeon, or periodontist, and the team together and I, I say, let's look at this from the other side. Let's look at it from the restorative doctor's point of view. And I made a list of all the things that the referring doctors don't like about specialists. And we said we have to sort of break these down. One thing they don't like is surprises. And I have seen situations where, uh, and every specialist says, this isn't me, but it must be somebody because it's coming up from, from general dentists. They say, you know, a patient came into my office and a procedure had been done by the specialist and I didn't know about it. I was surprised. Surprise doesn't have to be that dramatic. It could be um, something else that happens just in terms of the communication between the offices. So they don't like surprises. Another thing they don't like is inconsistency. And the team, for example, will say, well, normally when we refer an office, they ask for x-rays, and today they didn't want the x-rays. Normally when we refer a patient, we get a report in this amount of time, but this report came in a much longer period of time. So that inconsistency throws them off. And I'll tell you something about the teams who work for general dentists. They're the customer, too. We have to please them. And the day that they tell the doctor, the general dentist, listen, when we refer patients to that specialist, it's a hassle. That's death to referrals. We don't, that's why the inconsistency, which doesn't seem like a big deal, sort of creeps up. So we've got the surprises. We've got the inconsistencies. And the other thing is they don't like being ignored. Some of the finest referrals, they'll send lots of patients. The communication's great. Hey, what's the problem? Everything's just going swimmingly. Then the general dentist finds out that the specialist has sent somebody out to give donuts and bagels. And what they don't realize is they're giving the donuts and bagels into the B and C referrals to the ones they're trying to schmooze, the ones they're trying to get back in their good graces or make connection with. And the good referral is saying, no one's calling me, no one's schmoozing me, no one's paying any attention to me. So the good news is when you get a great referral source, you have good communication, everything's good, but that doesn't mean that you have to, uh, you can spend any less time on the relationship. It means you have to spend more time on it, the more intense it is. So we, we try to go down a list of all the things that 
are being perceived. Now, some of the, what's being perceived it may or may not be fair, it may or not, may not be true, but it doesn't matter because perception's reality. And we want the specialist to be anticipating the needs of the dentist and realizing that my audience, my, my, the people I'm trying to appeal to are not just the patient, it's the doctor who's referring me and the staff of the doctor who's referring me. And I gotta keep all those folks happy if I'm gonna have a successful referral practice. So how do you help the specialists to communicate better with their referring doctors? I do lots of things in my business. I mean, I give full-day seminars. I've also started doing webinars, and I was a little resistant to webinars at first because, you know, it's not quite the same thing as a live course, but I found out you can do just about 95 or 98 percent as much on a webinar, and what I'll do is I'll do a webinar for, sponsored by the specialist, but for maybe three referring dentists. And I'll do a couple of webinars for them to talk to them about communication skills and working together and that sort of thing and improving their own practice, the general dentist practice. And then I'll follow up with them and sort of consult with those individual practices. So the specialist is able to offer uh, at a very uh, attractive fee because it's, you don't have to travel, uh, specific information for general dentists, several offices at once. And the general dentists love it because they can take an hour at lunchtime a couple of times and then they can still have access to me and they think, hey, this was a very time efficient and very specific way to do that sort of thing. So that's, those, are, those are some of the things I do to help them out. So David, what is your advice for the implantologist who's doing both segments of implant dentistry in his practice? For the implantologist, they have to look for what sets them apart, what makes them different. And what makes them different is they can tell the patient they're doing everything in terms of one-stop shopping. They can, the patient can come to one doctor and have both phases of the treatment done, both surgical and restorative. Now along with that, they're going to have to emphasize their credentials because their competition will be people like oral maxillofacial surgeons and periodontists, great expertise in surgery, and restorative doctors who have years and years of experience in that. So they have to explain why they're qualified and they can do everything under one roof. And they can do that. So they have to talk about that. Then the other thing they can talk about is follow-up. They can tell the patient, look, in order for you to protect your investment, you have to have home care, and we're going to explain that all to you. And then you also have to have professional care. And guess what? You can come back to the same place, and we're going to take care of it. And if there are any issues with the implant, heaven forbid there's an issue with osseointegration early on, or there's some sort of issue with the restoration, we're here for you. And we're here in the long term, and we can take care of both sides of it. So they can position themselves in that way. And that kind of holistic approach, if you will, has a lot of appeal to patients nowadays. Thank you for that, Dr. Park and Dr. Schwab. And if you missed the first installment of that interview, you can see it on episode 167 of Chairside Live. Well, that about wraps it up for this edition of Chairside Live. On behalf of everyone here at Glidewell Laboratories, thank you for watching, and I'll meet you right back here next time.